This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hello and welcome to Conversations with the Voice of Reason. I'm your host, Benjamin Boyce, and today's conversants are Aaron Friday and Jonathan Zacherson, who both have filed three initiatives in California which force schools to be transparent about a child's gender identity, to protect girls' sports and spaces, and to protect children from reproductive harm. In this conversation, we talk about their initiatives and why they are doing it in this manner and what they are up against with regards to the California state's desire to transition children without their parents' knowledge and even from other states. This is front lines stuff. Aaron and Jonathan are wonderful people, and if you do want to support them in their endeavors, links will be in the description. Without further ado, here is Jonathan Zacherson and Aaron Friday. And what's your story, Jonathan? I don't know a, I don't know a hide nor hair about you. <laughs> I guess yeah. I should have introduced. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I, you know, I, I guess I, you know, was kind of just quiet behind the scenes, just focused on, you know, what most people worry about, just, you know, the kid's career and all that stuff. Um, and then COVID hit, right. Or mostly the lockdowns hit. Um, and I thought that was ridiculous. And so my kids did go to the uh, Roseville joint high school. Well, one went to the the, the middle school. And so I just, you know, this is absurd. So I just tried finding out, you know, you know, who the school board was, what are, why are they shutting this down? And then, you know, kind of learned it was coming from the governor, um, you know, after, you know, back and forth with a few folks. So in June of 2020, I founded Reopen California Schools, focused just on trying to just some advocacy, you know, thinking, you know, we hold a few rallies, we write a few letters, that'll yeah. do the trick. And, uh, nope, you know, I was a little naive at the time. Uh, but you know, led to what, you know, one thing led to another, more people got involved, you know, people sued the governor. I participated in suing and suing the governor, uh, to get masks off kids and, um, you know, some of the other COVID mandates, uh, you know, and, and then, you know, we have this issue. Um, and so just with the advocacy, just kind of building on itself and just working with various folks, like, you know, getting to meet Aaron and, and her advocacy, um, you know, joining forces on this important issue. So it's kind of a quick summary of where I've come from on this topic. Yeah. What What's the overlap between the um, the no masking kind of anti-lockdown folks and the uh, let's not cut off kids' genitals and second and model their secondary sex characteristics according to some sort of made up ideology that came out of nowhere ten years ago? Groups like where <laughs> is there a lot of overlap or? Are you setting this up? No. Setting the answer up. Benjamin. Well, I'm wondering. It's just interesting because you are your political group. So there's got to be people who it's two different issues. Right. And it's two kind of different concerns. But maybe it's not. Maybe they really do dovetail. And the same people who see problems with this top down authoritarian uh, control through COVID mandates see see something similar with the gender things, at least how it's going through the system being promoted by the system. Yeah, I mean, I can share my perspective, and Aaron might have a, a different one uh, coming from a different angle. But, uh, you know, as I went through this various aspects, right, we had school reopening and school closures. Then we had 
the the mask issue, uh, vaccine mandate issue, actually, and then the mask issue. Um, and I would say that at each step of the way, there was different people who kind of came on um, to to the advocacy and who fell off. Um, but I would say, by and large, it was you know the same players, at least the the, the more vocal players and the ones that were most effective, kind of stuck around uh, in that. And then when it comes to this, you know, I think it's a little bit more broad, um, right? You know, and then I'd even say that there's some people that were against the lockdowns, against the mask mandates, but then you know may actually still feel like, wait a minute, you know, you know they may they may take a different position. At least that's what I've seen in our our, um, you know, we had a Facebook group that every time that a new issue changes, you get you know people who are like, I'm leaving this group, or a bunch of new people join the group for that cause. So it really depends. And I think it depends on if you have kids currently in school, you know, where you were, um, you know, if you have grandkids, you know, just kind of what your 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 background is on this issue. Um, so, Aaron, I'm sure she has a different. Uh, I have a totally. Yeah. Well, my perspective came from the you know liberal Democrat side because that's what I was. And uh, so I was the rule follower and looking at people who were uh, anti as kooks <laughs> you know why, why why aren't you listening to our government they say this is going to end the pandemic just get the darn um that's how i was looking at all of this um which changed dramatically once i entered into the gender milieu and realized that our government had been lying to us for a long time hmm. and it was a really you know Besides the thing I went through with my daughter, I mean, I went through this whole new enlightenment, um, so to speak. I had believed everything that the New York Times had written. I had believed everything. NPR, you know, I listened to the daily every morning. That was my morning routine and walk. And uh, then I realized they're pulling the wool over our heads left and right. And I used to kind of not snub, but I'm like, oh, I, I don't want to talk about and uh, quickly learned the, the crossover. Mm-hmm. And so uh, me personally, I would wouldn't have gotten the knowing what I know now. Um, and I reached out to all the groups because I saw what they did and they were all grassroots. And I I wanted mm-hmm. to. um you know, make coalitions with them because they stopped the mandated and I wanted to know how they did that. How did a bunch of parents uh, stop one of the most liberal, well, the most liberal legislature uh, in the country from, you know, trampling on parental rights? So this is what it's all about, too, right? It's, it's, It's trampling on parental rights. It's it's uh, giving adult decisions to a child. I mean, the crossover is direct. We're letting children dictate their own medical uh, interventions. We're telling mm-hmm. parents to be led by a child. I mean, it's it's all interrelated. And then kind of understanding that the government didn't have our best interest. They don't care about our school students. They don't care about kids. Um, yeah, so that's, Mm. that's how. So is one of the linchpins for, so you guys filed three motions. I'm always bad with the legal speak and I know (laughs) what the words really matter, but you guys just filed three motions or 
three initiatives. Initiatives. Yes. So initiatives is something that the public has to sign on to? Yeah. I think maybe it's worthwhile to probably go through the, you know, because each state is different. This isn't available in every state. But in California, uh, thankfully, we you know, voters have an option that when the, if the legislature isn't taking action or to, they don't feel the legislature is taking appropriate action, you know, we have the ability to essentially go straight to the people. So we can submit the bill language with a bunch of declarations and some provisions um, to the attorney general. Um, it goes through a review process to get a title and summary uh, and as well as a fiscal analysis, just like other bills might. And uh, and after that time period, we then have six months to collect an, a certain number of signatures. In this case, it's just under 550,000 valid signatures uh, per initiative. If you do that within the time frame, uh, then you can have those uh, issues directly on the ballot so people can vote for them. Um, and that's what we're, we're trying to do here is take these, these initiatives that we filed, uh, get the appropriate number of signatures, and then have the voters be able to vote uh, directly on these. Okay. And is... Uh... Is parental rights so-called one of the linchpins of what you're what you're forwarding? I mean, I, I bring that up for a variety of reasons to actually delve into the content of this episode, but also to kind of understand legally speaking, or if that is kind of like the the groundwork upon which what you guys are trying to forward leans upon. Well, one is one is definitely parental rights. The first initiative is dealing with uh, the ability of schools to keep secrets from parents and lie to parents about uh, their child you know, struggling with gender. So the first one is all about parental rights and whether uh, schools have the right to parent kids or parents do. So it's a you know it's a huge issue uh, that will probably be decide have to be decided ultimately by the Supreme Court um, since across the nation uh, schools are are basically acting as parents and um, and these are violations of the Fourteenth Amendment you know mm -hmm. under the Constitution. So Would the Biden one, say there are kids? They're not your yeah. kids. They're our kids. Yeah. <laughs> right. And that's how they're behaving. You know, really, there's a okay. sweet spot age here in California, which is 12. Um, parents get to be parents until their child is 12. Uh, 12 was the failed mandate to give the kids the jab uh, without parental notice. 12 is the age when children can get mental health without consent of their parents or knowledge. 12 is when uh, kids can uh, get an abortion without their parents' knowledge. 12 is, is when they can um, get m medical health without their parents knowing. Like 12 is now the new 18. Okay. Um, and, and they're moving, you know, 12. There's a bill in California that 12-year-olds can emancipate. Um, but, but I'd add that to, for this particular issue, the way the guidance is written, in, in many uh, coming from the California Department of Education, there is no age. Uh, you know, essentially a kindergartner can make this assertion and the schools can keep, not only not notify the parents, but can keep it a secret from the parents. Um, so, so, I mean, this is completely absent in any law. It's just uh, uh, administrators came up with an FAQ uh, for this issue. Um, really? Okay. You know, and so I would, I would contend that that it's illegal to be keeping the secrets. And the only part that you could argue 
you don't that schools may not have to do is the notification side um right today and so we have a so we have a huge problem and disconnect between i think what what is allowed and versus not allowed and and uh, ultimately we don't have time for the courts to figure this out we need to go we need to add clarity and add it directly to statute which is why we want to introduce this initiative okay okay so is there their side from the point of view of safety like they want to keep the child safe yeah, let parents. me. Can I can I read a can I read a quote from Please. our attorney general yeah. in California? This is this is a, a quote from the lawsuit that he just filed. Um, he said that transgender and gender nonconforming students are in danger of imminent irreparable harm from the consequences of forced disclosure. Now, the forced disclosure forced is to the parents. So what they what he is saying is that gender confused kids are in danger from their own parents for imminent and irreparable harm. So he is essentially saying every parent is a dangerous human um, and we need to protect these kids from their own parents uh, huh. with, of course, no backing of, of, of any of this. Um, yeah, that's a, and, like and, a de declaration of war on parents. It, it absolutely He's is basically saying the parents are are a threat to citizens. Well, we already have Department of Justice at the at the federal level saying that, right? Yeah, for the school so, school board meetings, if you show up, you're a white supremacist or some some sort of like rabble rouser, uh, enemy yep. of the state. Okay. Yep. Following a civil rights investigation into the legality of Chino Valley Unified School District's mandatory gender identity disclosure policy, we have determined the following, that the policy discriminates against transgender and gender nonconforming students, that it violates their constitutional rights and violates their civil rights, that it has already harmed and continues to threaten their mental, emotional, and physical well-being. As a result, we filed a lawsuit today to immediately stop its enforcement. This policy has managed to violate multiple constitutional rights of our students, multiple statutory rights of our students, their right to privacy, their right to equal protection, their right to be free from discrimination. It tramples on students' rights. It presents students with a terrible choice. Either walk back your rights to gender identity and gender expression, to be yourself, to be who you are, or face the risk of serious harm. For far too many transgender and gender nonconforming youth school serves as their only safe haven, a place away from home where they can find validation, safety, privacy, we have to protect that. We have to ensure our schools are sanctuaries for every single student. We have to fight those who would try to rip that away from them. I hope today's action makes it abundantly clear that we will and we are. And this is why the initiative is, is so important. And this is also why the initiative has the polling shows 75% or about that or 74% of Californians, regardless of party affiliation, would vote yes to 
uh, involving the parents. Forced in the disclosure. Yeah. Forced yeah. disclosure. Like, yeah. <laughs> and, and let's just talk about that phraseology for one second. Forced disclosure. The child is is saying they're transgender at school. So everyone at school knows the teacher the janitor, the substitute teacher, the lunchroom lady, the parental volunteers. Everyone knows. The only person who doesn't know are those harmful, bigoted parents, you know, the ones who are going to kill their children uh, if they come out. The absurdity of this is is beyond the pale. (laughs) And I work with thousands of parents um, of gender confused kids. I know no one, not one who has thrown their child out because they are struggling with gender dysphoria. Yeah. Not one. Yeah. So it's a lie. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And so rather than, I guess, suing him or holding him to account, you guys are just cutting to the chase and just, we're going to make this a part of law. Like, we're going to just codify this openly that this is what we're going to do. As opposed to their side, is just kind of a creeping kind of, we take the parents, advantage of the parents more and more through these kind of best practices kind of things. Well, well, we tried a bill. We, we, we wrote the, the initiative was a bill that was presented to the legislature this year. Same, same type of language. Let the parents in on the secret. That's it. No, let them in. And don't socially transition our kids without parental consent. And that bill didn't even get a hearing. So we tried to do it the traditional way. And we got the big middle finger. And so we're circumventing them and going to the people. Okay. And, and I'd add a little bit of a background on this. So uh, there's a bill, AB 1266, which was passed in 2013, dubbed the bathroom bill. And, and this is very basic. Uh, it just says that children in school um, must be allowed to use facilities and participate in sports programs that, that align with their gender identity, even if it's different from their, their sex. That's essentially what that had. From that bill, the California Department of Education came up with this FAQ describing how do you implement this bill. And and out of nowhere, they came up with this idea that students only have the ability to disclose this information um, and that the parents – that they, you have to keep it a secret from the parents if the child doesn't want to. In fact, they actually advise keeping it a secret from the parents in this FAQ. Now, this didn't follow any kind of administrative guidelines. The California Department of Education has admitted this is just a guideline. It's not law. It's not not enforceable. But because they did that, there's there's this um, institutional structure, I guess, set up for a lot of school districts where all of their policies come from essentially one group, and that's the California School Board Association. They pay dues, they write and draft all of their policies, and then they go, they send them back to the school districts, generally get rubber stamped. And they're supposed to review updated laws and procedures and all these things that happen. So the, the California School Board Association wrote an administrative regulation, uh, 5145.3, that every school district pretty much blindly adopted that essentially takes that FAQ stance 
and puts it into school policy. So now we have almost every school across the state in California has this policy. That was the basis for uh, part of the basis for the Spreckles lawsuit that was recently settled. That was the basis for the Chino, uh, Chico, excuse me, Chico uh, lawsuit um, as well, where parents are suing the schools for keeping it a secret. And they're pointing it to administrative regulation. There's some confusion as a law versus not law. Um, but that's the basis. So these lawsuits started coming up. And, and that's, I think, when you know this need for, for that bill, AB 1314 that Aaron was talking about, uh, came up, right? Didn't get a hearing. Um, and, and so the next step was, okay, well, school districts will just notify themselves. There's nothing that says they can't do that. Um, so, so Chino Valley passed that resolution or passed a policy kind of undoing that and says, no, we're not going to keep secrets from parents. We're going to notify them in these situations and more school districts followed and more school districts will continue to follow. But then we have the attorney general, uh, basically targeting, uh, Chino Valley for their stance. Um, and at the same time, we're then taking this exact, uh, policy, uh, to the people. So kind of there's okay. a lot of things happening in parallel, but we know that the attorney yeah. general was going to fight this. We knew that the attorney general wasn't just going to let this happen. And so it was important that that as the attorney general continues to fight and some of the more radical uh, uh, politicians in California continue to fight parental notification, parental rights, we, we had to start taking action. We couldn't wait. Hmm. So the stance of the state is that the kids belong to the state? Just generally speaking, is that like the advance, like this is just how they're behaving as though the kids belong to Yes, them. absolutely. Absolutely. And and that children are not safe with their uh, parents unless the parent will uh, agree to cut off their breasts or, um, you know, cut off their genitals. And we see that with we've got about uh, 14, 15 bills that are making their way to Governor Newsom's desk that concretize that belief system that parents parents either transition their kids um or lose them and that's that's the state we're in we're going to be the first state in the nation well actually i think washington's got a pretty nasty one but we'll be the first state in the nation that will do the opposite of what they did in texas or tried to do in texas is parents will be deemed abusive if we don't abuse our children by taking off their body parts. And that's where we're going um, in a in a very fast way. And the only way to stop this, the only way to return California to be the golden state is if the voters take it upon themselves to pass rational laws. And that's where the initiative process is is so powerful. And it's you know, it's our last tool in the toolbox besides lawsuits, um, which take too long. They take too yeah. long. Um, they cost almost as much money at the end of the day. So. Yeah. And, and you know, I'm, I've been in this a long time now, and I deal with the families directly. I deal with the parents who show up at graduation and they hear a name called out for their son. That is not their son's name. And the parents can do nothing about it. They know that their children are being called different names and socially transitioned at school. They know that the schools are giving them breast compression binders and tape. And we need to end this because the schools are the faucet. They are the creators of these gender-confused kids. Make no mistake, it starts at school. And uh, you know, parents know this. 
Uh, they're pulling their kids out of public school left and right. Yeah. Um, we have the lowest enrollment in 10 years in California. Really? Um, it continues. Uh, but, you know, there are parents who have to use public school for education. California is, is an expensive place to live. Which, which I think, you know, if you look at the name of this this first initiative, the School Transparency and Partnership Act, uh, I think is, is very appropriate because one of the, the, the intents of this is to rebuild that trust um, so that parents can know that, that if they send their kids to schools, that they're going to be partnerships and transparent with everything that's happening uh, to help uh, their kids. And they're, they're not going to be the parents, but they're just there as uh, to, to educate and to work with families on making sure the best education outcomes for kids. Hmm. Is the state doing anything to uh, disincentivize parents taking their children out? Is there any, do you guys see any like movements that it's making to make homeschool well, illegal? Like I, that's kind of extreme. I mean, the, 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 the fact that you just, you have no financial resources or very little, depending on which way you go. Um, and that you have to give up potentially work or taking care of other kids uh, is a huge um, opportunity cost. So I don't think you even have to go down the the route of making it illegal, but just the fact that it's just so much work. Um, you know, you have to be a lot more involved. And so, you know, in that aspect. And, and you know, you have to be a good teacher too, right? Um, to kind of figure that out. So mm. um, this, I think the opportunity cost alone, and, and frankly, I don't think, you know, that's enough at this point that they, they're worrying about. Okay. Um, so... I'm just thinking of vectors of attack because this is kind of a battle in a way, uh, and they have a lot of incentives to get what they want to do, and and you guys have a lot of incentives. Parents have a lot of incentives to get what they want out of the thing, and so what kind of are the vectors of pressure that you can put on the system? And one thing that you guys are doing is this initiative route. Do you guys trust the system? I mean, like the legal system? Do you trust the the <laughs> levers of accountability, no. or are you blackpilled in in that respect? No, I we we I trust I trust no one. I only trust what I what I read. No, I I'm a jaded human being. Uh, we're going to have to get close to double the number of signatures. Um, but what I do trust, and here's the power. The power behind these initiatives and these bills, and the fact that we're now on the offense, which is the first time in California we are on the offense. We've been playing this really bad game of defense. You can't win the game if you're only playing defense. Um, but parents are waking up and the the base, the Democratic base is starting to fall away. So we are seeing immigrant groups that are moving away because uh, they now mm. understand that their children are are being overly sexualized at school, are being uh you know, force fed this transgender ideology and they're joining forces and what the Democratic Party failed to to take notice of is that there are unlikely pairings. So there are people like me, Democrat for life, who are holding hands with the reddest of red people. There are lesbian groups standing out with evangelical groups. There are there's Blexit, which is you know, black people leaving uh, Democratic Party. There's uh, Lexit, Latinos leaving the Democratic Party. There are gays against groomers. Uh, there are lesbian groups. We're all holding hands now. 
Okay. Uh, the Chinese, uh, which is a huge voting block in California, they are coming on board. The Indians, um, East Indians, and the um, Armenians, the Muslims, they poked the bear. Parents don't care about party when you're attacking their children. They will, they will follow the issue. And so it's going to be a big awakening. I, you know, I know everybody was expecting the red wave in 2022, but 2024, look, we are, we figured it out what they were doing. Tie gender to abortion. Nobody's falling for it anymore. We have abortion up till the day the baby's going to be born. What else are they going to add to it? How are they going to trick the feminists to vote democratic? They can't. Um, it's game over. And uh, you don't, you don't mess with the parents. Yeah, we lay down our lives for our kids, um, and you know our other initiatives are are equally strong. I mean, they're reality. Reality, boys are different than girls. Male this, body. Uh, like, are you talking like sports? Like the other initiative is about segregation, sex segregation, or yeah, of some sort. Yeah. yeah. And so how is that particularly being targeted? Um, it, like, it's like a, they built this anti-segregation kind of civil rights thing, right? Following well, through civil rights. Well, it's so interesting. Um, so, th so this one actually has, I feel like the, the hardest or maybe the least resistance um, be because uh, it's just interesting. It's just interesting. But the way that they attack it is they say they want to, which is actually a, not even completely true. They say trans, you know, this bill would trans would ban trans girls from playing sports, right? That's what they're trying to say. It's like, well, first off, you know, how do you define trans girl or trans woman? Uh, right. Part oh. of that definition requires being to recognizing that they, that they were, you know, biologically male. And so um, really that's the premise is that we recognize that, that males, biological males have a, a, a unfair competitive advantage against women when they're playing sports. And so that's all this is, is just saying, hey, you, you know, you can't compete against girls, you know, for the for the purpose of for fairness for girls. Right. That's what we call it the Protect Girls Sports and Spaces Act. Okay. Um, but it's really difficult. Even Gavin Newsom, who has asked this question by Alex Michelson uh, on his show, when the polling data came out that showed the vast majority of Americans, uh, including the majority of Californians um, and a plurality of Democrats, uh, would basically are in opposition to to biological boys playing against girls, Newsom couldn't even answer the question. And he danced around it for about two minutes until he said, we just got to talk about this from a place of compassion. Right? That's all how he can answer it. Um, so I think it's difficult to- Compassion for it. whom? The girls? I think compassion for the, yeah, the people involved, right? Yeah. The idea that for, for the trans kids, essentially, yeah. is I think what he was alluding to, that we have to come out from a place of compassion. And, yeah. and, that, and the goal isn't to target anybody, right? I think that's what they're trying to do is we're targeting this or targeting that. This is about protecting uh, our, you know, uh, girls who play sports, right? I have a daughter who played softball. Um, you know, as soon as we introduce, you know, especially once we hit that age of puberty, you know, it's, it's, there's a reason why we have different sports and there's a reason why title nine came about. Um, and so, uh, to kind of pretend like that doesn't exist, um, is really, I think in some ways, uh, is, is hurting the, uh, the other side's movement, right? Is they have to pretend that, uh, 
that anyone who's transgender is 100% the way that the, the gender they're per- perceiving at in all ways, right? And has to pretend that the biology doesn't matter and all this other stuff doesn't matter. And I think them going that to that direction, to that level, is basically re- to re- realize um, you know, the fallacies and the problems with some of these policies. But why take that particular issue through the initiative route? Was a Did you guys try to do the bill thing? Did that get any hearing? Is that... Like the well, other no, you're right. That didn't, we didn't try to repeal AB 1266. So that's kind of okay. uh, what we spoke, right? There's a bill that actually in California requires students to play on teams that are that are opposite their their biological sex if they identify that way. So the, the bill is very simple. It just repeals that aspect and then adds affirmative language to make it clear what the intent is and that it's to protect girls' sports and spaces and that it's okay for districts that if you have sex segregated facilities like a boys locker room or a girls locker room if you have those they're going to be based off biological sex right you, you know they're not going to be based off other reasons like we don't have a gender identifying segregated bathroom we have a sex segregated bathroom right and so um, um and that's just just making that clear yeah yeah and then the third initiative yeah, so that's Protect Children from Reproductive Harm Act. Oh. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, We're going it's, big. We're going yeah, big. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it, I mean, that's what it is, right? I mean, these procedures, and this is basically would prohibit uh, puberty blockers, cross-sex hormones, uh, genital surgeries, mastectomies, anything around that, that would have a, a likelihood of, of an impacting a child's reproductive health um, as they mature into adults would, would be prohibited for minors. Um, it's pretty basic, right? We shouldn't be uh, letting kids or, for, you know, convincing kids uh, that they somehow can, uh, by going on with these procedures as as, as minors that they're they're um, that will sterilize them, uh, is going to solve uh, a, a problem that can't potentially be solved maybe down the road as they get older. Okay. Um, so that's that's really the basis of this. Too young for kids to be doing this. You know, parents are given false choices uh, in these in these in this process. Um, kind of as Aaron talked about with other bills, you know, you either do this or you lose custody in, in many cases, you know, or you're being told you do this or your child is going to commit suicide. Um, and we need to put the brakes on this uh, because this and this is it's growing and gro- it's growing and, and getting larger in numbers in California. In fact, California has become a trafficking state for this kind of stuff where kids are being trafficked to California to get these procedures. And, and that you're not understating the case like. California codified that they will trans your kid if you bring it's a sanctuary it's a eugenic sanctuary you can go there and get sterilized or sterilize your child yes yes and it's it's worse than that it's worse because what what the bill I think you're talking about SB 107 that passed last year uh, Scott Weiner was the author of it that bill what it did is it it permits children, children. I mean, we have to emphasize this. This is children. To and again, run, no age limit. To run away to the state of California. Once they run away here, the way the law worked prior to last year, if a child ran away from another state and landed in California, California's response would be to send the child back to the state where the child lives unless the parents were deemed physically abusive to this child. Otherwise, the child gets sent back and and the, the home state 
deals with the issues going on with the child. This law permits the child, once they step foot on California soil, California judges take jurisdiction. That means they are now in charge of what happens to that child. Well, we know how the family court judges here are being trained. They are being trained by trans activists. Asif Orr is one of their main trainers. Um, he wrote uh, Schools in Transition, which is the school secrets um, tome. And uh, anyway, so once the kid's here, it's game over for those parents in Kansas. They're not going to get that child back. That child back is is now going to become a ward of California. And in California, foster care kids, guess what they get to do when they're 12? 12, yeah. they get to decide what gender interventions they want and our tax dollars are spent. So that's one thing that they get to do. We are also trans sanctuary state if there is a dispute between mom and dad. So let's say mom and dad are divorced Dad doesn't even have custody of the child. No rights, whatever, to the child. He can kidnap that child, come to California, and find safety. The California judges, again, will then decide what to do with dad and the child. They basically rip up the order from the other, other state. It, it yeah. has no bearing anymore. California and, become its own country. Yeah, and to clarify on that, that's specific for if the purpose of coming to California is is to get gender affirming quote gender affirming care or gender affirming right. mental health care. So if you're coming here because you just just because I don't like my mom, then they'll work with you. But if it's like oh I'm coming here because my mom's not letting me uh, take puberty blockers or because my mom isn't doesn't agree with my my gender identity necessarily. At that point, then they won't work with the parents and won't work with local officials, and they prohibit law enforcement. They prohibit the courts. They prohibit anybody in California government from working with other jurisdictions outside of California. Wow. wow. That just seems like something uh, that violates that, – that's like kind of shot across the bow of civil war. I mean states going after other states. Full faith and credit, it violates. There's a lawsuit that's been filed against – uh, against uh, that um, law in particular, but you know, really, all the attorney generals in all the other forty-nine states should be filing a lawsuit against California uh, because they're basically saying the judge's orders in in those yeah. forty-nine states have no bearing in yeah. California. We are our own country. We are now a state of transgenderism. Uh, yeah. You know, we, and, and, yeah. we need a new name for California and and we can if these initiatives pass, if this third initiative passes that SB 107, that bill disappears. We unwind okay. so many bad bills yeah. if we get these initiatives passed. OK, so that that third initiative basically makes it. What does it do? Does it make it illegal in California for children to access transgender care? It, or... it, it prohibits the providers from providing those things for the purposes of uh, relating to gender um, uh, uh, disorder issues. For minors. For so minors. 18 and under. So, so under basically 18. Under 18. nobody, yeah. no medical provider, Planned Parenthood, 
insurance nobody. companies, nobody can can actually do that. Um, does the state have the power to enforce that? And will it, if it gets, oh, this is really skeptical, if that passes, would the state even enforce it? Could they just not enforce that? Could they just well, ignore it? Yeah, I mean, we, we don't go as far as, say, like Texas. So like Texas and Florida and some of these other states have, the, have these bills. And and again, this gets really long, and they try to think of every scenario of which, you know, how do you combat combat this? Yeah. Um, you know, we were a little bit more pragmatic in, in our approach, uh, which is focused on it just privates the provider and uh, basically subject to discipline from the provider. So we, we know that the, the agency, which is not uh, – it is created under – Obviously, the you know government code creates this, and um, but it doesn't. They don't necessarily manage it, and so it is separate entities. The licensing entities and the medical board uh, would essentially have to discipline them. And as soon as you make this illegal, it allows then at that point for insurance companies to no longer cover it. Um, right? They can't be covering things that that are illegal, and so uh, it does put a big stop to that and disincentivizes a lot of the travel to come here because now California you can't get that so instead of coming to California I suppose you would go to Washington um, yeah. or maybe another state but not California um, so yeah so there, there is uh, you know there's there's a lot of things that can be done after the fact and we do instruct the legislature in the initiative to kind of clean up uh, existing code that are in conflict with the law uh, we don't directly repeal uh, provisions of SB 107 otherwise the you know the initiative um, would be one it'd be like 20 pages but two there are other aspects of SB 107 that necessarily aren't uh, applicable to this uh, bill. So we don't want to just do a full repeal. Um, and so, yeah, so it, it, it does take those steps. Um, I think it's enough ultimately to deposit. Um, no provider is going to want to provide these if they're going to lose their license. No provide, no insurance company is going to insure it if it's illegal. Yeah. Well, I'm just thinking of hospitals with gender clinics, specifically children's hospitals with gender clinics. Would they just shutter those things? I mean, I'm just yeah, they would have to. Scenarios. They would yeah. have to move to the adult side, right? They would eliminate the pediatric side. Okay. Wow. Well, we didn't take. We didn't. We only took away the um, medical interventions, puberty blockers, cross-sex hormones, and surgeries. Um, the mental health aspect. Which we know is lacking anyway. We know the we know the gender clinics aren't doing any of that anyway. Um, but that's we didn't we did not tackle that in this uh, in this initiative. But yeah, but I, would schools still be able to socially transition children with I guess just not without parents' knowledge, right? I mean, you could still see it's not making it illegal for schools to trans. Kids. Well, yeah, I think if it, there's different initiatives, right? So going back to that first initiative, um, the School Transparency and Partnership Act, if that passes, yes, schools, these kids would still be able to socially transition at school. However, um, one, you have to notify the parents if the request is made. And two, it requires the parents to be involved in that decision-making process over what exactly that looks like, right? So the, ch the parents know the children better. So if they don't agree uh, to certain aspects of it, then the school wouldn't be able to participate in some of those yeah. aspects. And then in the second initiative, the school would not uh, be able to social transition a kid up to and including bathrooms, locker rooms, and sports. So tra social transition would just be an aesthetic. It would be contained as an aesthetic. I have a new name and I have different pronouns and I dress a different way, but you can't actually go and dominate. Let's say if you're a boy, dominate girls' sports or get entry into their uh, private spaces, right? Correct. Correct. So it kind of it restrains whatever this transition thing is, and then the third initiative, 
halts the medical side, the medicalization of this transgender ideology. So it's kind of like putting it into a box and maybe containing it so it could maybe in some one certain timeline just kind of fade out into some sort of cringy thing that we were all thinking about in the 2020s, right? Well, I think uh, think to make it completely fade out is we have to get it out of the curriculum at school. Uh, yeah. and, and because that's that's where the seed is planted. It's it's planted in kindergarten and in TK when they're reading those nice picture books um, that, you know, a, a doctor could have made a mistake. Uh, the Jazz Jennings book, the yeah. red crayon or is it blue crayon? Forget what color. Uh, but they read these, you know, little little books to these kids and these kids are are immediately indoctrinated into believing that that they can opt out of their sex and that seed is planted and it can it can grow at any time when their life is distressful as we see with the rapid onset gender dysphoric kids going through puberty and you know COVID lockdowns they're lonely um that seed then starts to sprout uh so we to really end this moment in history, this horrific place where we find ourselves, uh, we actually have to get it out of the curriculum and stop teaching this as fact. Um, it's a belief system. It's a new religion. Um, it is not based on any scientific evidence whatsoever. And I think that's actually a realm that we'll have to attack legally. Um, I really do believe that we could win on, we could win these cases on on a religious. Yeah, I, I would say it's. I, I think it's more pervasive than just schools, but schools are obviously a big part of that. Um, you know, social media and just the fact that people are celebrated uh, for this, and and really that when you look at just who has a hold on education in California, it is some of them. You know, CTA for example, they held some of the more extreme views within. Um, uh, the base of the Democrat Party, and so that's why we're seeing it there. Is they're going to continue to push whatever that that issue is. Um, so I think if to your point, if these issues win uh, from a from a state level and from a national level, it really I, I believe it's going to change the conversation, and that that Democrats are going to realize these are losing big time losing issues, and we need to move away from this. And instead of now, you know the the the, the the party and the Democrat Party, those in power in the Democrat Party pushing this, they're going to move away from it. We can get back to more normal, sane conversation about these issues. Um, and then the schools hopefully will start, you know, moving away from it. Well, you know, they certain uh, people in social media will no longer be uh, celebrated to the level that they are and, and being told and, and, and shown videos in front of kids, uh, you know, because that's happening too at schools. And, and so it hopefully it changes the whole conversation and that, that Democrats can kind of move back to the middle on this issue to just have the same conversations. Yeah. Okay. Is there any, um, is it, is it going overboard to assume that there is some sort of grooming going on? Do you guys even do, do you, I guess, avoid even that rhetoric, but if, cause you were bringing up the age 12, age 12, like kids get to access all this stuff. Is there also stuff in California with the age of consent being lowered? Like, uh, that is there like this, is that a part of this stuff as so far as you guys have seen, or is that kind of like the scare tactic rhetoric that's just not 
it's not a, it's not a scare tactic we haven't actually seen that move yet but it's definitely on its way i i suspect in the next couple of years we will see the move to 12 if it because here's how the argument goes if a child can decide their medical uh interventions at 12 if they can decide their mental health at 12 if they can emancipate at 12 if they can do all these things at 12 well why can't they consent at 12 and that's how the argument's going to go they haven't done that yet but we see the movement in that direction with the types of books that are available to students uh in in their schools um we talk a lot about a book called I am gay or this book is gay. And this is found in sixth graders library, you know, in California. And this book tells sixth graders how to find a lover um, online and how yeah. to find a stranger and meet up with a stranger and then what to do when you see that stranger. So the, the dividing line of what was age appropriate sexual talk there is none anymore. We have schools that are promoting drag queen uh, events, but they've taken it even one step further. They're having the students be the drag queens, the 12-year-olds, and they don't need parental uh, permission for this. They only need a trusted adult, which could be a senior in high school, an 18-year-old, or just some <laughs> random person. And they're having the kids do the yeah. dancing. So we are we are rapidly moving towards just a uh, debauchery. Um, yeah. Well, yeah, and 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 the Spreckles lawsuit and the Chino lawsuit, there was some of that essentially. I mean, these kids, and I don't know the age age of the child in Spreckles. Uh, I believe she was under twelve, but I know Ch Chico was under twelve. And and part of that, the accusations, essentially, that's what the teachers and counselors were doing is um, they were essentially finding kids that might be a little different or maybe not have friends and basically tell them, oh, the reason you're different or the reason um, you know, that this might be happening in your life is because you're probably the opposite gender. And, and they, they convince them. It isn't just like – it isn't just more passive where they kind of teach kids at a young age about this and then the kid maybe sees something online or reads a book and then comes out to the teacher. They were actively telling kids that they might be the wrong gender. And then uh, promoting that and pushing it throughout the school so that they identify that way at school and then keeping it a secret from parents. Um, so, yeah, we do see instances of that. And I don't if that's not grooming, I don't know you know, what is yeah, yeah. Um, in that scenario. Now, I'm not saying that's the norm, um, but but it does happen and, and it will and it will continue to happen uh, if we don't go, this, go to this place where we involve parents. Yeah. I mean, if, if parents aren't uh, if the school somehow whatever that entity is is protecting the children from the parents then what are what can go on is anybody's guess like there's no limit to what the janitor can trans the counselor the counselors most likely are transing these kids convincing these kids are going along with this thing along with the social media along with it just being kind of in the air but then the counselors get a hold of it and this is essentially about a kid's sexuality, right? And and the kid's sexuality, like it's all protected and stuff. So what can go on behind that curtain is anybody's guess. Like the amount of abuse is there's no end to it. Uh, we've seen kids get talked into this gender stuff and then run away from home and end up trafficked because the schools side with confusing them about their gender, confusing them about their biology, and then making them incredibly vulnerable to being abducted or, or getting 
you know, just completely sucked away from their guardian. And it's, yeah, and it's, it's by design, right? So you have teachers, the second most important group of adults in a child's life. You know, students tend to believe they're teachers. We, we, we as parents, we always had our kids come home and say, well, you know, Mrs. Smith said this. Of course, yeah. they believe what Mrs. Smith says because uh, that's their teacher. Uh, and these teachers are telling these kids that it's okay to keep secrets from mom and dad. Now, how is a child supposed to distinguish when a secret should be kept and a secret shouldn't be kept? Which secret is, you know, so if you have even a third party out there who is molesting the child and saying to the child, keep this our secret. Well, they've been taught by their teachers that it's okay to keep a secret from their parents. Um, and then as we, and also as we move towards these bills that are emancipating these kids at the age of 12, well, where do they go? Where do these trans kids, you know, quote unquote trans 12 year olds go? Do they go to a new foster home, a loving foster home? They don't because we now have a law that is about to be enacted that said that says foster care parents must transition their kids if they want to get them. Okay. So there's these kids then go to group homes unlocked. They're unlocked. These kids go come and go as they please. And guess who hangs out at those group homes? Traffickers. Drug traffickers get them get them hooked on drugs and then sexually traffic these kids. And it's a pipeline. Uh, it's a pipeline for harming children. Well, it, 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 go ahead. No, Jonathan, I'm just. I was just going to add. Yeah, there are groups out there um, that that's part of the MOs is not just with California's laws, but they're encouraging kids. Like, hey, your parents don't agree, run away from home. Your parent, maybe you didn't even have your parents. Maybe you just think your parents aren't going to agree. Run away from home. You know, you know, have a new glitter family. Um, and it's so interesting. They kind of highlight this, you know, the attorney general tries to highlight this, that, that, that foster youth or homeless youth are more likely to be, you know, there's a disproportionate rate in trans. Well, you know, um, you know, it's, it's, you know, the causation versus correlation here. Um, yeah. I mean, when you have organizations telling kids run away from home, um, and we have these laws keeping secrets, I mean, that, that is the intent here is, as I see this is basically put a large wedge as much as you can between parents and, and their children as early as possible. Um, and you're going to get these kind of results, and they're just they're bad overall, all, all, all around for kids, no matter no matter way way you look at it. Yeah. Um, and so that's kind of what we're seeing. You know, so I, these initiatives, these bills, um, you know, working with the legal structure uh, to to clean this up, to segregate it, to to contain it as much as possible. It's a necessary step, but. I mean, part of me just wants vengeance, you know, like I want to hold these people accountable for what they're doing. And I don't know if that's possible, you know, but like me, me and, and totally legally, not extra legally. I'm not saying anything like that. Go Punisher or anything like that. But like the people who are putting like the Scott Wiener guy, like holding him accountable. Are the law, these lawmakers, are they just above ever being held accountable for their bad laws? Maybe they'll just get voted out. That's the only thing that could happen to them if they are a part of the destruction of all these lives and the, the tearing apart of all these families, maybe vengeance is just not something that, that is even useful to even think of, but it just, if you, once you start looking at this, I get a little angry at the people who are perpetuating this. 
But yeah, I mean, see, I don't imagine anything ever happening to Scott Weiner other than maybe one day if, when we realize how bad this is, you know, he might lose office. Um, but but even then, I I, I want to hold hope. But I would say that there's a lot of people behind the scenes that are pushing this, right? So Scott Weiner advances these bills, but he's not the one writing the bills. Um, they're yeah. activists writing these bills. Um, and and hopefully, at least when it comes to some of the the surgeries that are happening, um, there'll be fiscal, uh, you know. A lot of the a lot of those who conducted these, the doctors, who you know, there's different levels, right? You have someone who's detached and being, you know, telling you, hey, in order to save kids' lives, we must allow these procedures, not really think about them. And then you have people who are actually conducting these procedures on kids that are sterilizing them, that are that are that are, you know, uh, you know, just totally disfiguring you know parts of their bodies uh, at a really young age, um, without really understanding the consequences, right? There's there's complications to many of these procedures where, for the rest of their lives, they, they don't even get what they were promised, right? They're having to deal with medical problems afterwards, and so those folks um, who are there at that level, um, I do think there probably will be some accountability civilly um, for what they've done. Yeah, and I personally, having walked down this road, I want accountability. I want people to lose their, their, their careers, those who know. There are a lot of people, like Jonathan said, that were indoctrinated themselves and really believe the trope that if you do not support the trans identity of a child, they will commit suicide. And so I give them a little latitude, but I don't give everyone latitude because there are powers that be that know exactly what they're doing. They are profiting off of children they are profiting off of mentally unwell people, and they're not going to get a pass um, from the parent perspective. And that's where the lawsuits come in. Yeah, yeah. And um, you know, and I, I kind of disagree a little bit with with Jonathan. I think Scott Weiner is is writing these bills. I think he is not the the puppet, but he's the puppeteer, um, sure, with a team of people behind him. Uh, people can actually go to my Substack, um, Our Duty, and you can see the number of bills that this man has authored or co-authored and be a judge for yourself, whether... And there, there's, a, there's a pattern in the bills that he's putting forth, right? Yes, it's always against children and women. Um, and it's as clear as day. <laughs> There's no, he's he doesn't he doesn't hide this, um, you know. So I well, he definitely is an activist. I, I I would say that you know no no legislature probably is the one writing their bills. They have a team that does it. And there's a, a group in particular called Equality California that yeah. that is pushing a lot of this stuff. But Scott Weiner is definitely happy to champion and lobby. Um, He's not a passive actor, that's for sure. He is he is an active part of this. Yeah. There's so, so much money. There's so much money in this. Yeah. I mean, there's millions and millions and millions of dollars. HRC brought in human rights campaign brought in seventy eight million dollars last year. Uh, that's up from yeah. ten million a few years ago. What are they doing with that seventy eight million dollars? They their objective years ago was to get same-sex marriage approved. They were successful. I voted for that. Then they shifted. And now they are all about trans advocacy. Glisten, glad. They're bringing in gobs of money, millions and millions of dollars. 
And then they're getting fed more money because public schools are paying for them to come in. And it's this giant wheel of money passing hands. And those who are getting harmed are children and parents. And I think there's kind of a, a point there, Aaron, that you when you bring up too, that's a big part of this is uh, the part of the reason why it's been allowed to get as far as it is beyond the money is that they're hiding behind this shield of of gay and lesbian rights, um, right? They're trying to conflate that somehow, you know, the struggle that's happening with with teens and transgender teens and all this stuff uh, that that we know is a social contagion. Um, somehow is is something about uh, you know taking away rights of, of gay and lesbians and, and and they're two separate issues completely separate issues but yet they have to tie them together as much as they can so that they can hide behind that that shield so to speak yeah and and, and same with abortion like kind of tying the medical side to abortion so that they glom on to previous civil rights uh, advances uh, to advance this thing so it's really you really do have to disentangle it it's like the whole anti-racist uh, or like Trojan horse it's like wait why would you not want to be on board with anti-racism and then you look under there's like it's just racism like just like different <laughs> colors going on you know um, so it's a, it's a really clever activist technique what can people do uh, I guess they have to be in California to, to pitch in, right? Um, no, what can people no. Do? You, you have to be in California to sign the petition. You have to be a registered voter, but anybody uh, in the U.S. can contribute um, financially to help get these on the ballot. So, um, okay. but yeah, yeah, so you can go to How does financial, uh, is this like, this is your big wheel of money lobbying making, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, just for the sake of transparency and, and so people understand what the money's being used for, like the money's probably for what it's pro- promotion to get it on the bill you need to have billboards you need to have uh, radio spots right well i mean that's for eventually that that part but this cost really is just the cost of getting the signatures right i mean we're gonna have to have i mean five hundred fifty thousand people on the ground taking signatures okay just if we had a i mean if we had a completely volunteer basis where we didn't even have to pay for the petitions to be printed out which we will i mean that's going to cost a lot of money um but just just to say we had no administrative costs like the website um all of the marketing all of all of that other stuff to just get the word out say there's no cost there i mean just the verification of signatures to make sure that we can avoid some of the shenanigans that happened oh. is going to be close to a million dollars so Ooh, oh i never even thought of that so some there's a third party uh like company that goes through and verifies all these signatures like you know. yeah that's important so there's been situations oh, okay. where if you're if you're not careful with that right that the um it basically uh, a lot of your signatures get thrown out you get a lower percentage and then they go to a full count and you don't really have a good understanding of how many you have and then those are games that the the state can play huh. uh to kind of basically say you don't qualify and so we want to avoid some of those games so 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 even just that aspect right i mean we will have costs for petitions we will have to have paid signature gathers um we do have an additional administrative costs the more people that are added to our mailing list that it, that goes up um it is going to be in the millions of dollars just from a cost i'm not paid to do this you know aaron's not paid to do this um we have a lot of volunteers um that's able that's enables us to have a cost down but there's still yeah. professional people that we do have to pay uh, to get yeah. it done. And so uh, that's where the money goes to uh, to get these on the ballot. Um, and so anybody in the United States can contribute uh, to that cause. But in you order can to get some them, dark money from China, too. I mean, are you even just restraining it? To, <laughs> Actually, we can't get dark money from China. You can't be oh. a foreign national. 
Okay. Um, no, and, and it's very transparent. So anything that's over $100 based off California, California campaign finance laws is disclosed at least who it is. Um, uh, but, right, but, but it's unlimited donations. We could, you know, uh, someone in Texas can write us a million-dollar check. So, okay. yeah. uh, you know, if, uh, we definitely would, would accept that uh, for sure. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so so it's anywhere in the United States, um, no limits. Uh, you just have to be in the United States. Yep. And it's really important for your listeners in other states that if we are successful in California, so goes the nation. I can't express that enough. We started this monstrosity in the United States, California. We were basically the birthplace of transgenderism and we have been spreading it and if we don't kill it here it really doesn't matter if kentucky is okay or alabama is okay because remember the kids can come here they can get their one-way ticket and come to california and harm themselves so we have to kill it in california and once the democratic party sees that the bluest of blue states said stop harming kids, get boys out of girls' sports, and stop keeping secrets from parents, the rest of the nation will follow suit. So really, this is a national ballot initiative. Yeah, yeah. And what, what is the, like, where do people go? Yeah. So okay. to learn to learn more about the initiatives and to donate, um, you can go to protectkidsca.com. Um, there's a donate button there. You can read the initiatives. You can look at the polling data, which shows that uh, these would pass overwhelmingly in California if we can yeah. get them on the ballot. Um, but the hard work is getting them on the ballot. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yep. And so, uh, yeah. So that's where we're. That's our focus for the next uh, six to eight months is to to do is that point. Um, and again, you can follow our social media at protect kids, CA, whether that's X Facebook or Instagram, but uh, it's all yeah. protect kids, CA.com. And also people can sign up, uh, to be collectors of signatures. So you can volunteers. Um, yeah. We have a sign up. So if you're in California, um, you can go to our website and, and sign up as well. Um, and so that way we can contact you and let you up, keep you updated on the initiatives. And you can sign up if you're outside of California. I mean, you'll just, you know, you can theoretically you can come across and you can, well, you have to be a registered voter to collect signatures, but you can oh. uh, volunteer maybe at some other uh, booths or, or whatnot. So, wow. Wow. Yeah. I mean, if everybody who is against removing a child's breast at the age of 13 sent in $99, we'd be funded and yeah. we would, we would change we would change the country. Yeah. Yeah. Important work. Yeah. Uh, what, what does it haunt you guys at night? Are you able to like put this down, read a book? <laughs> I try. I try. Yeah. It's, it's, it, uh... what, what? Do you see my desk? <laughs> yeah, I see your desk. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, we never, st I mean, I haven't stopped working for, for two years. I work yeah. uh, 16 hour a day. Uh, seven seven days a week, and this isn't my my only um, unpaid job. I work with you know the detransitioners. Yeah. Uh, I work with the parents who have their kids caught in this. Um, I work across the nation getting witnesses for uh, some of these bills and law firms and some of the you know big cases. Um, a case yeah. that was just filed in in Maryland. Uh, yeah, no, this is 
this is a compulsion now to save kids because I'll tell you, my daughter could be one of these statistics and um, I will never stop fighting for kids until this is over. Jonathan, are you a little bit more regulated than Aaron? <laughs> Probably not. Um, no. it may, may, maybe have an hour here, there, I'm able to decompress, but no, you uh, know. Yeah. Um, you know, the thing is, it's it, timing is of the essence, right? And, yes. Um, yes. And so, you know, if we knew that we are doing good work and we're and it was just kind of like clockwork, we just got to put our time in and we'll, we'll eventually get there, it would have been a little bit easier. The problem is we, this is a battle. Uh, we're and, and one of those things that we're up against is time. And so, yeah. um you know, pretty much I have a full-time job, um, right? So this is all outside of that. And so, yeah. you know, I work quite a bit, you know, you're, every, every evening you're doing something relating to this, um, whether it's trying to, you know, work with local politicians, whether it's trying to advance it through other policies, uh, relating to those, or it's just focused directly on these initiatives. Um, most of my, most of that uh, extra time is going towards this. And so, you know, this, I, this will be uh, our lives for the next uh, six to eight months for yeah. sure. To get this to make sure we get this on the ballot and so as much as your listeners can can contribute um whether it's just through volunteering or through financially uh you know that will help us uh get there um uh, you know and, and maybe maybe we can get it done early so we can maybe <laughs> enjoy a weekend uh yeah uh, <laughs> at some point with their with their families um yeah. uh before uh, the end of the, t- the deadlines up yeah i spent a lot of time uh talking with people from a a theoretical view about politics, you know, and and we kind of bemoan the state, the culture war, blah, 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 blah. There's a lot of talk. So like engaging with you two, seeing what you're doing as engaged citizens, like even if you're skeptical as all get out about the system or about the possibility and stuff, you still, you still believe in, in the human spirit. You're still putting yourself out there. You're still engaging with people. It's just really refreshing to see people who are actually standing up, going out there, against all odds, whatever, just pushing yourself to the limit to, to get something done in the real world. So thank you. You know, I'm, I'm just, I'm glad to, to partake of your energy and to facilitate more people taking the stand and actually getting things out there and stop just like, you know, bemoaning something online, but actually like donating their time, their money, their resources to actually change this particular issue, you know, and actually, like, forestall kids ruining their lives before they even had a chance to start them, which is what's happening. Yeah, and all those people sitting on the sidelines just kind of watching, go to your, go to your computer right now, send in, send in some money. Uh, you'll sleep better knowing that you're part of this. You're part of the change that you want to see. Sitting around talking about it doesn't move the needle. Yeah. Uh, no one's coming in to save us. It's us. Uh, it's parents, it's, um, concerned people, um, you know, send in, send in some money and you're going to be part of this. You can say I was part of the change. Yeah. Well, cool. Let's, uh, wrap up the podcast. Thank you very much for, uh, setting this up, Aaron. And it's great to meet you, Jonathan. It was great to meet you. And thank you for having us.